Phenomenal. Just wanted to see if you were still listening. Let's, uh, let's pray and ask God for help as we turn to the scripture this morning. Lord, I thank you so very much um, for the faithful service of our worship team and the phenomenal job they did this morning, but Lord, for your manifest presence that was here, Lord, right from the get-go, Lord, for the healing power, the peace, the grace that is in this place, and for the, the gift that you have given us in an ability to gather and be together. And as we are here now in this moment, I ask that you would let your words be life to us, Help us to absorb them, to not only be hearers of the word, but also doers. Please grace us with that, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, welcome to City Harbor Church. I just noticed this thing took a spill. Okay. (laughs) You can do it. Oh, where did it go? Okay. Um, safe place to find and follow Jesus. We are on our second Sunday in a series I'm calling Server. Okay? Uh, and we have started in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. And I'm going to have that on the screen for you this morning. Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. After they'd arrived at Capernaum, say it fast and confidently, and settled in a house... Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servants of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. It's Jesus' way of saying, hey, this is important. And I believe that Jesus was certainly addressing the issues of their heart, but he was also trying to outline something that was a essential value system of the kingdom of God, and what I would say should be an essential part of the DNA of this gathering of people, this church. So we see further, Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45, Jesus says this, Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, in half a sentence, describes the purpose for his coming our salvation, and that even in how he came, he was serving us. That it is literally what he's about, and it's what we are to be about. And that's why Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So last week we talked about the attitude of a server, the attitude of a server. 
What's so important when we look at this subject, if we're going to have the attitude of a server, if we, if we are, if we are indeed going to call ourselves a Christian, if we're going to check that box on the form, if we're going to call ourselves a Christian, then this is what following Jesus means. And what I'd like to put before you, as we've been talking about the, the new name of our church, City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus, is these words, live love. You've heard me say love gives as a way to describe a God kind of love. But in live love, what we're really talking about is live like Jesus and share his love. And this is really simple, which will cause some people who've logged some hours in church to ch- turn their brain off. It's all oh, I'm going to have to go find a deeper, more complicated sermon somewhere else this week. Well, listen, the simple messages are normally the ones that we need to digest the most. And check yourself before you wreck yourself to find out if it's actually in our life. Now, if I have attitude of a server, the context from which it comes is really important because by now you would understand that we are not into legalism. We're not into a focus on external behaviors to try to manipulate ourselves or others by don't do this, do that. We believe that's backwards, that's opposite of what Jesus was trying to accomplish, right? I'll give you an example. When I do the dishes, I know, I know, stop. No, I do dishes, When I do the dishes, am I doing the dishes because they must be cleaned? Because it's like actually unsanitary if you just crash them on the floor? No. When I do the dishes, it's because my wife and children have changed my life. And I love them for it. If I only did the dishes because they must be cleaned and it's my job, I'm going to get grumpy, ticked off, I'm going to procrastinate it. No one in here has ever done that. (laughs) I'm going to put it off. I'm going to make sure that my wife knows every time I do it. They're They're done now. What's in my heart is really important, which is why we talked about the attitude of a server last Sunday. What's so critical when we come to this issue is that we come to this issue out of a context of I have been changed by Jesus, which is why anytime I talk about stuff like this on a Sunday, I I try to always make sure we're anchored in the context of this is for people who have been changed by Jesus, where on the inside of your heart, you know how desperately you need God. What is the worth of your forgiveness of sins, of your spiritual freedom, of your healing? Anytime I relate to God or to others in my context of my relationship with God, I've got to do it in that way or there's no joy. And guess what? If there's no joy, no one wants to be around you. And then we're very different from Jesus because people who consider themselves far from God or I'm not religious, never grew up religious, I don't understand that stuff, they still wanted to be next to Jesus. They wanted to be at the party where he was. And that actually was going on before he did miracles. And I think it's because he had joy. He didn't take himself too seriously. He had a sense of humor. If you read the scriptures, you will discover it. He actually exercised sarcasm. I know it's not for everybody. 
Jesus had a sense of humor. He did. People wanted to be around him. And then he did all that he did for us so that we could be forgiven. And then we can love and thank and live our lives as a love response, as a thank you to him. The God who came like that. This is good. This is good news. It's been done. It's been settled. God will never love you more than he loves you right now. In whatever state you're in. God loves you. So when we approach these words of Jesus that can be hard, we've got to make sure we're doing it in the right context. In a context of a relationship of receiving life change and never getting far from knowing who we are without Him. Right? Who would you be without Jesus? I'm so glad. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Right? So thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So, we talked about the attitude of a server. Let's talk about the words of a server. And first, let's look at Jesus' word for server that he already used in the passage we just looked at. He used a word that was for servant. Somebody who's dedicated. Somebody who's focused. Somebody who's faithful. Somebody who is a helper. Somebody who is an attendant, an apprentice, a collaborator. So when we look at our words and what our words should be, our tone of voice, our word choice, our vocabulary, we should think about it in those terms. Am am I that person? Let's look a little further at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 5, Luke 6, 45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And that's why last Sunday we talked about the heart of a server. So you, that's why it's really healthy to periodically check on the state of your heart. And that's why being here is a helpful place to do that. You can come into the presence of God around other people that love you, that also love God. And God, where's my heart? And then that your words that come out will be affected by that. Now, from the fast food section of the Bible, Psalm 141 and verse 3. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. You know, you can ask God for help with what you say. God, help me. And you guys know I'm a talker, and so I have needed to pray this prayer many times. God, put a guard on my lips. Proverbs 15, 4, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue can be bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 12, 18. Coming back to Paul in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.29. And last, last Sunday we looked at 4.23. God, you make new, renew my, my thoughts, my attitudes. Here, Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. It's a really good gauge when you're getting ready to say something. Is it good? 
And is it helpful? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Encouraging, building up, lifting up, helping. And I want to come back to the message paraphrase from Romans chapter 12. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. So, we're running short on time. Last Sunday I did a little bit of a Q&A. Today let me just uh, ask again the same two questions we asked last Sunday, but kind of fill in the blanks for you for the sake of time. So what, what would the words of a server not look like? I'm better than you, right? I'm stronger than you. I'm smarter than you, right? That's Those would not be the words of a server. Um, I'm talking more than I'm listening. Or how about this? this? This might be an easier way to evaluate your words, your tone of voice, and how you're speaking to another person. Is what I'm saying communicating that it's more important to me that I look good, feel good, or be right than I care about the other person? Do my words communicate that is more important to me that I look good, feel good, or be right? Is it more important that I get out my whole speech of all the scriptures that say all the right things than that person, than caring for that person? It's a really good filter to how do I know if these are not the words of a server? Look good, feel good, be right. Do I have to put other people down so that I can feel better about myself? Now, what does the words of a server look like? Well, we just flip everything we just said and say the opposite, right? The words of a server would be encouraging, But I want to go further than that because I don't believe that God is calling us to flattery. You understand flattery? Saying something good about somebody else, whether it's true or not. Saying something good about somebody else for what you can get out of them. That's flattery. That's like abusing another person. I don't think that God's into flattery. I do think he is into us choosing words that can encourage, that can build up, that can lift up other people. Are you with me? Right? I also think that God is into us using words that are faith-focused. Everyone in this room was created by God in His image, with design, with purpose. What is it in that person that would be the purpose of God in that person for their life? Speak to that faith. Sometimes it's helpful to treat a person like who they are becoming more than who they are displaying. Anybody with a human nature 
is going to view themselves as better than they really are. So your estimation of yourself is normally skewed. Unless you're really doing some prayer and fasting and living openly with a few select mature believers that are helping give you an accurate perspective of yourself. If you're not really diving into those things, then you've got a skewed perspective of yourself. You're going to view yourself as better than you are, even in other areas where you're viewing yourself as worse than you are. That's that's called twisted. It's a twisting. It's where we get the word perversion. A perversion is a twisting. You're going to have both viewing yourself better than you are and worse than you are, right? And so that's going to affect your words about yourself, but then it's also going to affect your words about other people based on how you perceive them. So we want to be faith-focused and we want our words to be life-giving. We want our words to be chosen with care, compassion for another person, with self-control. Let me give you an example. When you, and we recently talked about being a peacemaker, prior to that we also taught through the Matthew 18 principle that Jesus gave us for handling when things are not right in our relationships with each other, right? So when we're having a conversation with somebody else, when we are the party who is hurt, what does the words of a server look like? The words of a server look like me exercising self-control to not lash out because I'm hurt and try to punish the other person with my words. I'm going to knock you out. Mama said knock you out. No. The words of a server... Okay, you need a a brain cleanse there. Ah, arugula. Okay. I'm going to choose my words and let my words be focused on the remedy and the reconciliation. When you did X, Y, Z to me, that hurt. And if instead you had done A, B, C, or I had done D, E, F, it might have gone differently. And I'm available to forgive this. (laughs) It's not impossible. It's not. Because if you ask Jesus for help before you go into that conversation, you can use the words of a server and still let there be healing and reconciliation and forgiveness in the relationship. Are you with me? So choosing words that are helpful and not hurtful. This goes also for when um, there's a misunderstanding in expectations, when expectations aren't met when we have very different opinions on how things should have gone and all of a sudden that comes out this goes to when there's been miscommunication hey let's get let's get this right communication is not just you telling the other person something communication is when you both understand what's being said right and the words of a server are going to be like when there's clearly a, a misunderstanding the words of a server are going to look like this well what's wrong with you why don't you understand did you not hear what i said did i stutter No, the words of our server are going to be more along the lines of, I'm sorry, I think I'm, I must have not articulated that very well. Um, let me, let me try a different way of expressing what I was thinking. Are you with me? Because if they didn't get it, love demands of me that I believe the best of them, whether they're a believer or not. 
And if I'm going to believe the best of them, that's going to mean not that I always assume I'm a bad person, I'm lower than worms. That's not what I'm talking about. But a kind of humility where I choose the words of a server to say, well, I'm sorry, um, we got a misunderstanding here. I probably didn't communicate that the right way. Let me try to communicate that in a different way, right? Instead of coming back to a head-on collision, it's, oh, let me back up and try a different way. Are you with me? That's choosing the words of a server. When you are feeling compelled to address a need for growth in another person, Ah, rugula. Okay, are you paying attention? When you feel the need to address a need for growth in another person, let me give you some questions to ask yourself before you speak so that you can have the words of a server. Ask yourself, self, what is my role? What is my role in that person's life? What is God asking me to do? And then don't speak until you have an encouraging suggestion for positive change. That's what speak the truth in love looks like. We are compelled in Scripture to address each other when when we need to grow and change. We are compelled to address each other, not fix each other. There's a difference. Fixing, I'm going to fix you, is like, I'm going to manipulate, I'm going to push you until you change. Whoa, time out, not in here. Are you with me? And there's way more verses about love each other, encourage each other, lift each other up, than the other stuff. Are you with me? Right, self-control, choosing words that are helpful. Now, let me ask you a question, I'll leave you with some practical to-dos. I'm already a couple minutes over my time. Do you think that the political climate in our country or the recent tragic current events in Baltimore and around the world would be different if every person involved had people in their lives that were speaking the words of a server to them. This is relevant, y'all. And this is relevant to how we walk this out. We've had some powerful, and I mean powerful, prayer times in response to all the tragedies we're facing, all the divisiveness that we're facing. And we need to be very careful because if we speak divisive words, the New Testament has some very strong language about what a believer and a follower of Jesus is supposed to do with somebody who's divisive. Separate yourself from them. If everyone in this political climate, these tragic current events, everyone pulling a trigger, everyone beating on somebody else, if everyone had had people in their lives speaking encouraging, serving words to them, wouldn't our world be different? And doesn't that mean that it can yet be different? So how? To make this simple, I'm going to use the same suggestions as last week. Begin your day... Begin your day by acknowledging your need for God and the value of others in your life. Write down one word representing where you need God's help to see this today. Ask God for help. 
Thank God for your life and opportunities today. Ask God for help in serving others. Ask God for help. Each day, thank God for the people you encounter before or after seeing them. Whether you feel like it or not, the choice to thank God for something is not about your emotions. Your emotions will be a result of it. End your day by thanking God for your life and the good that others brought into your life today. Count your blessings, right? Thank God for the good that others brought into your life. Ask God for help in letting go of your frustrations. Anyone need help in that area? Oh, there's some humans here today. Good. Ask God for help in letting go of your frustrations. Ask God to bless the people that you saw today, whether you like them or not. Because God's blessing could include their repentance and their salvation and them being a different person the next time you see them. Right? Here's a prayer. Will you stand with me? Let's close with this prayer this morning. Why don't we, this morning, why don't we say this together, okay? I don't, I don't do this often, but would you please just say this with me? I think it will help you. Lord, please help me to be more aware of the people you have put in my life. Please help me faithfully love them help them, and be a faithful display of your love for them. Thank you for this opportunity today. God, I thank you so very much for your goodness, for who you are, for all that you have done, and for a fresh challenge for our behaviors to line up with what's going on in our hearts. Help, Lord, our hearts to be changed and then the words that come out of our mouth to flow from that change. I thank you that even though this might feel impossible, that with you the impossible is possible. I thank you that you are good, that you love us, that you didn't give up on us, and that you have spoke serving, encouraging words to us and into our lives. Thank you for the opportunity to gather today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Amen.